If you have your Bibles, you can stand with me this morning. Hebrews chapter 12. Probably your Bibles are stuck to that place right now. We've been there for so long. Verse 14. I didn't realize until after I got back from Texas that Jeremy had preached the same text. Of course, he went in a different direction. That's quite all right. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Father, I want so much to see you. I long to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And Father, I pray that I'll depend upon the Spirit of God and the Word of God to continually change my life, that I might walk pleasing to you. And I pray for all that hear your word today. Lord, challenge us today. Draw us near to your heart. We'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. You've been here over the last few weeks. You know we've been looking at this topic of holiness. A topic that I believe that not many churches are preaching about today. And not many are teaching about. And I I don't know why for sure, but uh, one thing that did cross my mind... I think too many churches are concerned about numbers more than they are holiness. And almost understand, I'd like to see this building full. But my friend, I can never compromise preaching the truth of God, the whole counsel of God. And holiness is part of the counsel of God. You know, the truth of the matter is this. We could come to church and we could preach messages that make us feel good. But how many know you can feel good and end up in hell? Eternally separate from God. Now, I don't like being a downer. I, I'm a, I try to be positive and I appreciate my wife. She helped me, she helped me maintain that when I, when I get discouraged and she's a great support and I appreciate her so much. But I, I try to be positive because I believe we need to hear the truth of God. And I need to, I believe we need to speak that truth in love, but we have to speak that truth. So here in Hebrews 12, verse 14, let's read it again. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And I want to remind you again, as I have over the past several weeks, folks, holiness is not an option. It's not just a name. It's a lifestyle. And if we want to see the Lord, we must be pursuing holiness with everything we have. And I found out over my years of serving God, there are too many Christians who are trying to live life close to the edge. Amen. And somehow, I don't know how they drew a line. I don't know where the line is. I'd rather stay close to the Lord, wouldn't you? Following the precepts and the principles of His Word. So no matter who you are or where you are in your walk with God, if you claim to be a Christian, you have an obligation to be holy before the Lord. Be ye holy, for I am holy. And yes, it's not preached much in our world today, in our culture, in most churches. But it has to be a priority in our lives. 
Let me ask you a question. How many want to see the Lord? Come on. If you do, holiness is going to be a priority. Without holiness, we will not see the Lord. And we're talking about personal holiness before the Lord. We have to be holy. We spent quite a bit of time looking at the topic of the last few weeks, and I hope you know by now, God is serious about holiness. And if you, if you ever lose sight of that, go back and read when they instituted the tabernacle worship. Go back and read how many times that God commanded Moses that they do thus and such. If they don't, they will surely die. Go back and read the time when Aaron, the high priest, his oldest two sons, offered strange incense to the Lord. And they died because of it. Go back to the time when David decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And they put it on a cart that shouldn't have been to begin with. And they hit a rough spot in the, in the road and the, and the one fellow, name from the UK, my mind went blank there, reached out to touch it when he did, he died. Folks, God is serious about holiness. Why? Because if you don't have it, you will never see the Lord. So that's why we need to teach it. That's why we need to talk about it. We need to preach it, but more than that, we need to live it. Holy lies before the Lord. Let's do a quick review. I want to move on this morning, believe it or not. We've looked at biblical holiness, what it means for us to be holy. We've looked at how we need to live holy. But last week, look at the command. Look at the command. It's very clear. 1 Peter 1.16. Because it is written, Be ye holy. Why? For I am holy. How many know that's not a suggestion? How many know it's not just a good idea? I want to tell you, it's a matter of eternal life. If we want to see the Lord, we must be holy. And my friend, that is a clear command from our God. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now I mentioned this past Wednesday night, we spent quite a bit of time. We're not even done yet. Looking at the Godhead. And this last Wednesday night, we kind of paused a little bit for moving forward. And we just kind of contemplated some of the things we've learned about God. And one thing we know for sure, our God is holy. Amen. He's the absolute perfect holiness. Absolute moral purity of God and His character. And my friend, that sets Him apart from anything or anyone else. But I'll also understand that very God who is holy, 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 that very God who distinct says, I want you as my people to be holy as I am holy. That is a call from God for our lives. So His holiness ought to be our model for our lives. Don't you compare yourself with each other. Don't say I'm doing better than so-and-so or her or him. Compare your holiness to God. Be you holy, for I am holy. Now we're not going to take time to rehash all of it. You know you you have to be born again. You can't be holy on your own, and you don't get holy in a hurry either. It's a daily walk with God. But we have to realize that this change of behavior begins on the inside. With a change of heart. 
It begins on the inside with a change of attitude and our mindset. When our inner thought life, our purpose, and our character are changed into the image of Christ, it's just natural. Our outward character and ourselves are going to change naturally. We're going to live different. Amen. We're going to walk different. Amen. We're going to talk different. Amen. Why? Because Christ has made a change in our lives. And the Bible tells us that this process is nothing less than the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification in our lives. How many know God is working in your life? And i got to tell you, I don't care where you are in your walk with God, He's not through yet. It's a continual process, this work of the Holy Spirit, this work we call sanctification. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ reveals to us the truth about Christ. And the Holy Spirit worked within us, if you will, transforming us day by day morally until we understand more about the truth of God's Word. That, my friend, is the work of the Holy Spirit. And as our knowledge of Christ deepens... Now, by the way, I hope you wore steel-toed shoes this morning. I got mine on. Maybe I don't. Would somebody go out and get me a pair? I'm going to need them. But here's what I want you to understand, folks. God is not speaking to the people outside. He's speaking to the church. To you and I. And there are too many shallow Christians in the church today. Amen. Rarely do they read their Bible. In fact, unless I miss my guess, most Bibles today are great dust collectors. Amen or oh me. But it's more than reading God's Word. Now, I'm a very, advent, uh, very, very adamant about reading the Bible every day. You need to do that. But not just read it, study God's Word and meditate on God's Word. Now, I began a little over a year ago through a request of someone to sending out a prayer every morning. You don't know how that's changed my life. Because I pray in the morning, but I think about the day before. You know, Lord, I, I want to honor you. I want to, I, want to, I, I want to please you. And I found that one thing. You pray better when you pray the Bible. When you know the Bible. When God's Word is hidden in your heart. And there are too many shallow Christians, but the more, the more our knowledge of Christ deepens, the more the Holy Spirit of God works in us to change our behavior, to become like Christ, and if you will, to become holy like our God. So, as believers, we're to be set apart, and we're to be different, Because we have God's qualities in our lives. And when we're born again, our focus and our priorities must become His. And that's the key of becoming holy before God. Now, never forget the day you got saved, God declared you holy. Thank God for that. Not what I've done, what He did for me. Somebody say amen. We're declared holy because of our faith in Christ. But we have to work... Out that divine family likeness in our day-by-day walk, behavior, and conduct. Now, Jess said he was offended because they thought 
he looked at Jason. I think Jason would be offended. <laughs> I'm kidding. But isn't it, really it's an honor. But people would say, you know what? We know you're part of that family. We were at the convention, natural convention years ago. And uh, we were sitting in this, it was like a breakout session. There was probably 30 or 40 in this particular room. And there were some people sitting behind us. And all he saw was the back of my head. And they came up to me and said, you've got to be related to the Luthies. Your back of your head looks like it. I mean, and you know, it was kind of exciting, if you will. Uh, but, the, but I want people to look at me and say, hey, you must be part of God's family. You resemble someone who's a child of God. So remember, we can't become holy on our own, but God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us become holy. And because we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it produces in us a loving obedience to the Word of God. And I've got to tell you this morning, folks, and, and I realize, you know, when, when God said, Thou shall not, He meant it. Amen. And I, I believe that. And I believe I'm, I'm obligated to. But I don't follow God because I'm obligated to. I follow Him because I love Him. Because I love Him with more than I can ever imagine. And I want to be more like Him. And I don't always, I don't always reset goal, but I want to. I want to be more like Him. So as a child of God, we are set apart for God's use. We've been separated from our old corrupt way of living. And now we are following God's command to be holy. Why? Because He is holy. I mentioned this last week. The problem is we don't yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to become holy, we've got to yield to His work in our lives. And I want to say today, I'm going to say it very clearly, far too many Christians are living in active, willful sin, and it has to stop. I'm not talking about a slip of the tongue. I'm not talking about some oversight in our lives. I'm talking about living in rebellion to the clear teachings of the Word of God because we don't yield to the Holy Spirit working within our lives. Now I'm going to meddle. We've been talking about holiness all these past Five, six weeks. So what's going on in the church today? I'm not talking about outside the church. I'm talking about inside the church. I'm talking about things like, first of all, today, sexual sins. One is adultery. How many know that God forbids adultery? It's never right. Exodus 20, verse 14, Thou shall not commit adultery. Is that clear? It's not ambiguous. It is very, very clear. 
And we would say, well, preacher, you know, I've, I've never committed physical adultery. I'm faithful to my spouse. And praise God for that. But how many know that adultery is not only just physical? Uh, adultery can happen in our minds. It can happen with the internet, magazines, movies, or people. Uh, remember Jimmy Carter? Remember the statement he made about lusting at the women? As a Christian. I had to repent of that. That's the only time I ever voted Democrat. Anyway, I'll move on, all right? <laughs> Forgive me, Lord, for saying that. But I don't understand. You understand, it's not just physical, folks. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 27 through 28, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, that's true. But I say unto you, that whosoever looks on a woman in, to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in her heart. Guard your eyes what they see. Guard your mind and what you think. It's not always just physical. In fact, adultery begins in the heart, Matthew fifteen nineteen. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. It begins in the heart. And here's one I've seen over and over again. Adultery leaves ugly wounds and scars. You don't know how many times I've gone home and wept over someone that I've known. A Christian. Who got caught up in adultery. And I saw their homes destroyed their families broken apart. And I want to tell you, the consequences are not good. Proverbs six twenty eight and 29. Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? What's the answer? No. So he that goes to his neighbor's wife, whosoever touches her shall not be innocent. Now, I'm going to give it to you straight. If you are a Christian today, Christians have no business being involved in adultery. None. God requires, always has and always will, that there be faithfulness between spouses. And when anyone is involved in any kind of sexual intimacy outside the marriage, it is adultery and it is rebellion against the standards of God. God has higher standards than our world does. And I want to tell you something, folks. The church needs to be preaching about that. The church needs to be teaching why that is wrong in the eyes of God. But the problem is, for the most part... Many of us in the church have become so adept to glamorizing these things, and we take adultery, and we don't call it that. We say it's an affair, but God says, you're wrong. It is adultery. And we need to continue to be preach and to be preaching about the danger of adultery, how it will destroy families, and how it will destroy our relationship with God. 
Folks, God expects you and I to live by a higher standard. Amen. Another area that I'm surprised with within the church is living together. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Paul says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. 1 Corinthians 7, the first two verses. Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. How many know God knows us? He knows our strong points. He knows our weak points. And in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, gives you two words about sexual sin. He says, run from it. Flee fornication. And people don't realize there's a principle here that goes, goes far beyond the physical act. Paul says when you do that, when you commit fornication, you are committing a sin against your own body. Now, I've got to tell you, I don't understand all the ramifications, but here's what I will tell you. When that happens, you'll never be the same again. It'll be a negative effect on your life, and you will take it to your grave. He then warns them in chapter 7, there's something you need to know. It would be better if you could stay unmarried. But God knows our nature. He knows our needs. And so he instituted the institution of marriage. And so Paul says, make sure you have your own wife and the wife have her own husband. Somebody say amen. Now, if you've got Webster or one of the English dictionaries and look at fornication, they would say it means any unlawful sexual intimacy, intimacy, including adultery. But in the Bible, the Greek word for fornication means to commit illicit sexual, sexual intimacy. The Greek word is the word pornea. That word goes a lot of directions. This is where we get a word pornography from. We'll talk about that in a moment. But it involves anything outside of the marriage between one man one woman. Anything outside that is sin before God. So we live in a world today. And the question they're going to ask, not only in the world, but also in the church. What constitutes unlawful intimacy? Whose laws do we live by? Do we live by worldly standards? Are worldly laws? But I want you to realize too many times 
worldly standards and worldly laws don't line up with God's Word. Also understand God's Word is truth. And God's Word never becomes untrue. It never becomes outdated or old. God's Word remains true. And the Bible strongly condemns fornication. But it's not only tolerated in our society, it's actually being encouraged in our society. And it's happening at times, even among Christians, as many people, many couples in the church are living together and being intimate before marriage. And Paul says, flee that sin. Run. I'm always reminded of Daniel when Potiphar's wife caught him one day and she was trying to seduce him. You know what he did? He ran. He fleed. He ran. And there are some Christians who would argue today that uh, living together before marriage is not in itself a sin. They would say, well, uh, what sin is is sexual intimacy or any kind of sexual activity before marriage. That's sin. And some would say it's okay, an unmarried couple can live together if they aren't sleeping together. Well, what do you say about that? Well, first of all, I would challenge you, search the Scriptures. You will never see an example of God's people living together before they're married. Ever. In fact, that's what Jesus quoted in Genesis this is the reason a man will leave his mother and father. Not to live together, but to be joined together in marriage to his wife. So if we're going to, you know, if we're going to start splitting hairs here, I think what we need to do is to understand a biblical definition of sin. And by the way, if you want to just kind of boil it down to a simple definition... Sin is simply missing the mark of God. Missing the mark. And sin is anything that violates not only God's commands, but also anything that is not pleasing to God. And just because the Bible doesn't explicitly say or discuss whether or not living together before marriage is a sin, it doesn't mean it's not a sin. Just because there's no black and white guidelines in the Bible on this question, if you consider what the Bible does say about unmarried couples, the best way to deal with this issue, the best way to answer this question is to ask yourself some questions. Number one, is what I am doing, would God be pleased with that? Would God be pleased with that? 
Would God be pleased with couples living together before marriage? Question number two. Did God intend for unmarried couples to live together before marriage? You search the Bible, the answer is no. And the third question, how much can you honor God in this area? Tough questions. If you really want to honor God in your relationship before marriage, it's going to be very difficult to argue that God would be pleased with unmarried couples living together before marriage. It's also difficult to argue that living together before marriage is not a sin. And again, people who confess Christ as Savior will often try to rationalize it. They'll find all kinds of excuses to rationalize it. And they will say it's okay. We're just going to call it cohabitation. God says it's fornication. And I want to say this morning very loud and very clear. There's something wrong. Terribly wrong. When someone who claims to be a Christian is actively involved in something that is totally against what the Bible teaches. My friend, that is sin. It's rebellion against the authority of God. It's rebellion of how God wants us to live our life. Be holy for I am holy. You've heard it said before. I know it's almost like a cliche, but there's a lot of truth in it. For some people, the only Bible they're ever going to read is your life. And one of the greatest things that I have, personally, is my testimony. My integrity. And I want to tell you folks, I spend every day of my life guarding it with everything that I have. I don't want to lose my integrity and I don't want to lose my ability to be a living witness. And whenever we are breaking the laws of God, we're going to hinder others coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. We must live our lives in purity before a sinful and wicked world. We should not be living according to the standards of this world, but according to the standards of the Word of God. Nobody in the church should live together before they're married. Somebody say amen. Is it getting warmer here or is it just me? The next one I want to talk about is pornography. We don't have enough time for this one. From what I understand, pornography is by far the most searched term on the internet. Wow. It is rampant in our world today. I want to tell you folks, Satan is having a heyday. I was talking to someone this past week, and uh, it was talking about a neighbor they had. 
and said had a good family. And then, of course, divorce came, things broke up. And when, this has been years ago, you can tell about what I'm going to tell you here. When they came to clean the house out, but this time the wife had left, he said there's enough, he, the term he used was girly magazines, to fill the small dumpster. I think more than, I'm just going to, perhaps, perhaps more than anything else, Satan has succeeded in twisting and perverting sex. He has taken what is good and right, and we're talking about loving intimacy between husband and wife. He's taken that and replaced that good thing that God designed for our health and happiness with lust, with pornography, adultery, rape, and homosexuality. Romans chapter 6. Let's get a verse in here. Verse 19. Paul says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. And by the way, how many has flesh today? Yeah. The weakness of our flesh. Look what Paul says. For as you have yielded your members servers to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servers to righteousness unto holiness. What's Paul saying? He is saying there was a time when you were a slave to sin. There was a time when you followed these sinful lusts and desires of your heart. There was a time when you were slaves to things like impurity and, and things like lawlessness. And Paul, I mean, Paul is saying what all that did was lead to deeper sin. And you couldn't break free. But how many know that when Jesus came and saved us, he set us free from sin? We're no longer a slave to sin. And so now Paul said, because Christ has set us free, now we have to give ourselves to be slaves of righteousness, not sin. Slaves of righteousness so that we might become holy. We're to pursue righteous, holy living. We've made it, God has made a change in our lives. And I want to tell you folks, pornography can be the first step on a very slippery slope of ever-increasing wickedness and immorality. The addictive nature of pornography is well documented. I mean, it's, it's like the latest commercial, but you can't eat one. Satan knows you can't. There's more and more and more. And just like a drug user has to uh, ingest more and more quantities of drugs, the same is true about pornography. It is never enough, and it never brings satisfaction. 1 John 2.16, John says, For all that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. Three main categories of sin. Lust of the eye, 
lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Pornography will definitely cause you to lust at the flesh. It's undeniably the lust of the eyes. So what should we do? Philippians 4.8. Paul says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's one of my pet verses. I remind myself every day, I've got to think on these kind of things. And pornography definitely does not qualify as one of those things we need to think about. So what about pornography? Number one, it's addictive. 1 Corinthians 6.12 All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I don't know of a drug addict who got so addicted they couldn't break away, who said the first time I took that pill or took that shot, I, I, I hoped I'd become addicted to it. And you don't know of the families I've counseled through the years that told me, Pastor, I didn't know it would lead that far when I got into pornography. And it would destroy families. Second Peter 2.19 While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought into bondage. Pornography is addictive. But also it's destructive. Proverbs 6, 25 and 28. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For a means of a whorish woman, a man is brought into a piece of bread, and the adulterer will hunt for the precious light. And again, we read it a moment ago. Can a man take fire in his bosom? His clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? The answer is no. Matthew 5, 28, Jesus again, talked about a moment ago. I say unto you, whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Please understand, folks, no matter what form it takes, even if lusting at other people in our minds. And that's the essence of pornography. That is offensive to God. Offensive to God. And whenever there's a habitual devotion to pornography and that characterizes a person's life, and that person continues in that sin and refuses to seek help, refuses to try to stop, or has no feeling or desire to change their behavior, my friend, that is an indication that person not saved. Now, don't misunderstand. And by the way, it's been a while since I've seen the book, 
But uh, two psychologists, Christian psychologists, wrote a book called Every Man's Battle. And they were talking about the sin of pornography. And folks, how many know the media plays on that? Advertisement plays on that. And we've got to guard our mind. And so, yes, it could be easy for somebody to get caught up in it. But I want you to know, folks, there's help. And there's hope in Jesus Christ. God can forgive you of that sin. And he can help you overcome that sin. Don't let Satan fool you to tell you there is no hope. Because I want you to know, in God, there's hope. In fact, I mean, we, we ended up with pornography. That applies to everything we talked about today. No matter what sin we may be caught up in. And, and by the way, uh, we might say, you know, I'm not into pornography. I'm not into adultery. I'm not living together. Okay, that's great. I'm glad. But what sins are we dealing with in our own lives? How many know God knows what they, what they are? He knows where we are in our walk with God. So how do you deal with it? Whether it's pornography, whether it's adultery, or any other sin in our life, how do we deal with it? Number one, confess our sin to God. Amen. We've got to come clean. Agree with God that we have sinned. And there's a promise there in 1 John 1, 9. If we do, He will forgive us and He will cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. The second thing we need to do once we confess that sin, no matter what it is going on in our life, we've got to be holy, folks, because God is holy. We need to ask God to cleanse us and to renew and to transform our mind. Romans 12, verse 2. Our mind being transformed by the renewing of our mind. The third thing we need to do Fill our minds with things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable. You know the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. Stop putting garbage in our minds, amen? That includes me and includes you. Don't let the devil fill your mind with wrong thoughts. The fourth thing we need to do is to learn to possess our body in holiness. Amen. Learn what pleases God and what doesn't please God. And say, Lord, with the help of the Holy Spirit living in me, I'm going to do all within my powers. The Spirit of God gives me strength to be obedient to every principle, commandment, and precept of your word. Number five, realize if you walk in the Spirit, we will never fulfill the lust of our flesh. Let's stand together. Now, by the way, if you're thinking... He's preaching that because somebody in the church is doing it. No, that's not the issue here. Not at all. I'm saying this is something we need to tell the world. We need to be telling other believers. Because some of you, and I don't even know your situation. A good friend of mine who's a Christian came by the house just a few weeks ago and he was talking about his, his children and grandkids, grandkids. And he got quite a few. Got a quiver, more than a quiver full. And he says to me, he said, well, I said, 
uh, some of them are not doing what I'd like for them to do. And he says, it's probably true in your family. Well, I give God praise so far it's not true in our family. But it could be. But folks, we need to be equipped biblically to let our children, our grandchildren know, you know, this is what God expects. And what you, you know, if, if they're involved in any of these things, if they're involved in any kind of sin, we need to, to know how to say, you know, in, in love, here's what God says in his word. And God can help you overcome these if you'll just trust him. But the bottom line is this, church. If we are not living holy lives, we'll never see God. Ever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words today. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you, Lord, for the clear precepts of your word. And Father, we've just addressed sexual sins this morning in our brief time together. But there's more involved in just that. And I pray, God, that we would often take inventory of our lives for the things that we are doing that are not pleasing to you. May the Spirit of God bring conviction when it's needed in my life. And Lord, we're going to trust you for the strength to overcome whatever it is. And we'll pray in the precious name of Christ. Amen.